0: I've got a great honor to uh, bring a Father's Day sermon to, into our, all our hearts, into our homes today. As much as it is my honor, I must also confess that I took a great amount of um, more prayer, more worship uh, to prepare for this particular sermon because we are going to continue our Thessalonians series. And today, out of all the days and out of all the weekends in SIBKL, we have landed on 1 Thessalonians chapter five, One to 11, which is talking about the day of the Lord or the judgment day. And with great prayer, I've been asking God, God, how do I, how do I talk about Judgment Day, the Day of the Lord, uh, on Father's Day, and yet also still be encouraging to the families uh, out there. So um, pray with me for this sermon. But I hope that we we have our hearts opened um, to hear what God has to say for us. So I'm gonna, I'm actually gonna split my sermon into very two big parts today. I want to talk about the Day of the Lord because this is a very important piece of of literature. So I. I don't want to miss it i want to talk about the day of the lord but then i'm going to jump to then uh contextualize it um, to talk about fathers and how we can apply to our lives especially as fathers um how do i how you know how do we take this into account is that okay so can you bear with me um hallelujah the the scripture is going to come up on the screen and then we're going to read it together all of us in our own homes uh so we're on first thessalonians chapter 5 1 to 11. 1 2 read it with me now brothers about For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are are doing. So what I want to do now is I want to go through the passage exegetically. I want to go through verse by verse. And I want to explain what's the difference between day and the difference between night. And then I want to contextualize it to our lives and in particular Father's Day. So very, very quickly, I'm going to bring up a chart. Is that okay? Because we see two contrasting words all the time. The word is day and the word is night. All right. So there is a few characteristics if you belong to the day. And there are a few characteristics if you belong to the Night, right? So what is the difference and, 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 and how do we live our lives if we belong to the day or night, all right? Um, so I'm gonna go through it really quickly and then I'm gonna explain it. So uh, uh, if, you are, if you belong to the day, the day of the Lord should come unsurprisingly, which means that you should expect the day of the Lord to come. If you belong to the night, you will be caught off guard. you you will not expect it, it will come as a surprise to you. If you belong to the day, you are called the Children of the Day, the Children of Light. If you belong to the night, you are called the Children of Darkness. If you belong to the day, you are awake, you are sober. You are filled with faith, you are filled with love, you are filled with hope, but if you belong to the night, you are asleep, and you are drunk. You are a drunkard. And And the last one, if you belong to the day, you will ultimately at the end of your journey, at the end of your life, will inherit salvation. But if you belong to the night, you will only inherit the wrath—the wrath of God. You know, I think Paul was a literary genius when he wrote this text because he specifically used um, in the Greek, in, and even in the Hebrew, um, the word day and the word night. When we read this passage, we, 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 as in me and you, we read it very literally, and there's nothing wrong with that. The day of the Lord—it's possibly a 24-hour day. The night is possibly a probably 12 hours or six hour uh, darkness uh, in the day, right? So it, it can be taken very literally, like we are children of the light, that's literal. Take up your faith, hope and love, that's literal. You, uh, uh, if you're children of darkness, you'll be asleep and you'll be drunk, that could be literal as well. But today I wanna, I wanna bring us all into the realm of the figurative, where there is another layer of interpretation for the day and night. And it, it, Paul talks about it very figuratively. And it, is, it, it takes its richness in, um, in the Greek, and it goes like this. The day, uh, figuratively speaking, is, is the word himera. Himera actually eludes to the definition of it is a time from abstinence, abstinence from indulgence, abstinence from vice, abstinence from crime. Do, do you see? So if you belong to the day, you abstain from doing all these things. But if you belong to the night, and the Greek word is nix, uh, night figuratively means that it is a time, a specific time. So it does not mean that you're blind, it does not mean that it's all dark around you, but it means that you live in a time where you live in sinful and shameful deeds, that you are in moral darkness. You live in immorality, that when you're weary and you're drunk, then you give in to slumber where you sleep. So you can see now when Paul talks about the day and he contrasts it with the night, he's not just talking about it literally, but he's saying that, hey, guys, Christians, hey, churches, wake up, that you are either in uh, 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 in a good place in your life or a bad place in your life. And in like every beautiful movie or storybook, it's always good, versus evil. And I really want to continue uh, moving on, right? So in a night, uh, if you belong to the night, it always says that you are caught off God. that the, the, the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. What this actually means is catalambano, if I can pronounce that correct, catalambano, right? It means that when you're caught off God, you have no understanding you're unable to perceive. You you cannot comprehend that that there is a day of judgment. You you cannot seem to understand that Jesus is going to come again. What does it mean by the Messiah? What does it mean by Jesus coming to judge? What is good versus evil? You you can't comprehend. But if you belong to the day, you are able to perceive. You are able to understand that one day we can see the signs of the times and of the seasons that Jesus is coming again and He's close. He's close. Get ready for ourselves. So what it means is we don't, nobody will ever know the specific time and date when Jesus is going to come again. But we as a church, we as Christians, we can perceive and understand the seasons and the times that God has put us in. And this is such a critical message in a year that COVID-19 has hit the entire world. And we are all asking ourselves, what is God trying to tell us through this really, really small virus that has changed the world forever. And I'll leave the question with you. I'm going to move on. Children of darkness. See, darkness in the Greek is, is skotos. And darkness just means immorality. It means ungodliness. It, it means you are ignorant. What are you ignorant of? That's it. I really love that word. That if you are in darkness, you are absolutely naive. You are ignorant of what? Of being in the day or in the light. And what does day and the light mean? It means false. You are ignorant of the truth, the knowledge of God, the purity, the morality, the, the brilliant quality of who Jesus Christ is. And that, that differentiates between, between if you are in Jesus Christ or not in Jesus Christ. You see, in the night, you are asleep. Now, you ask yourself, what is wrong with being asleep? You know, honestly speaking, as a father of two uh, um, and in this MCO, I speak for my wife here that if you ask any one of us, what do we want for Mother's Day or Father's Day or our birthday or Christmas or whatever day that you want to give us anything, what do you want? And both the answer would be, we want some time out from our kids. Please look after our children, feed them, all right, because we want to sleep. We really do. I, I miss sleep so much, right? Um, so what is wrong with being asleep? Really, nothing wrong. But Paul is not talking about the physical state of sleep. He's talking about kethu, <laughs> I Forgive me. I should not try to attempt to read Greek. I'm not that good at it, right? Um, Paul talks about being asleep, which is you are in a state of slothfulness, a state of sinfulness. And this is, this is the most important. You are indifferent to your salvation, Which means you don't care whether you are saved or not saved. You don't care what happens to you in the afterlife. You don't care that in this world you do good or do evil because you don't believe in the afterlife. And that is being asleep. Because the the opposite of that is to be awake and to be sober. It means to pay strict attention. It means to be calm. It means to be collected. It means to be in self-control, that we, are, we don't give in to the ways of the world, but we control our fleshly desires so that we can live in the truth of Jesus Christ. What is that truth? Paul clearly states the truth, which is faith, which is love, and it's hope, It's the trust in Jesus Christ for your future. It is the love of Jesus Christ that move you forward. And it is the hope in Jesus Christ that we don't give up in this life. We take one step at a time. We press in, we press on. We press in, we press on. And the adverse of that is, Paul says in verse seven, we're drunk. Now I wanna place specific attention to this word drunk because I would allude to it later on in my sermon. See, the word drunk or the state of being drunk is a state of being intoxicated with a substance, whatever that substance may be. Now, in figuratively speaking, it means that you numb your soul. You're ignorant, you're indifferent, and you are numb. It means that I don't, it doesn't really I I don't care. You know what? COVID-19, whatever. Lockdown, oh whatever. Church again, oh whatever. Read my Bible again, ah, oh, whatever. I'm indifferent. It doesn't really matter to me. Should I sin? Should I not sin? Ah, uh, it doesn't matter. What? Who matters? What matters? What judgment day? That's the state of being drunk. That's why it's so important when the Bible says, do not get drunk, but yet get drunk in the spirit, which means don't numb yourself. Get, be, get alive in the spirit of God. So this, what I'm trying to say right now is that when we talk about belonging to the day and belonging to the night, it means that we live our lives understanding that we don't live it for our own, but we live it for a purpose and we live it for Jesus Christ with that hope that Jesus Christ will come again and, and, and save us all. That's how we prepare ourselves and how we give an account of our lives when the day of the Lord finally arrives. Now you ask me, what does this got to do with my life besides the same preaching, which is live a life which is holy, live a life which is good, read the Bible, uh, and what, especially what does this got to do with Father's Day? Um, So here is my three points. My title on my sermon today is Take Your Positions." Take your position. You see on Father's Day, especially in in, in a time such as this, um, sometimes we as fathers or we as men, we forget that, that we've got a position and a role to play in this life. We understand it when it comes to our workplace, right? you know, what, what job do you do? I'm, I'm an administrator, I'm a manager, I'm a doctor, I'm a lawyer, I'm a, I'm a technician, whatever it is, I understand that that's my role in my workplace, right? But when it comes to the family, sometimes we as men, we don't quite, we don't quite get it. We're like, okay, I, I have to provide, that's, that's my role. I have to provide money so that my children and my wife have something to eat. That's my whole role. Now, yes, that's not wrong, but today I want to take from this passage and I want to show you that our position that we play in our family, it's not just to be a provider for food and money, even though that's very, 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 very important as well. Drawing from this passage, when you hear and when you read this passage through and through, you would see words as in verse 3, peace and safety. You will see words like destruction. Then you move on to verse 8, you will see words like breastplate. And, 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 and helmet of salvation when I read a passage like this automatically naturally I guess because I'm also a guy and I love war stories my brain automatically takes me to a fight scene that there is a fight right in this life and that is essentially the first position that we take as fathers that we are fighters for our family don't forget that we are called to be in the army of God. We are called to be soldiers. We are called to be fighters. And we must remember who are we fighting? That we, we are not fighting flesh and blood. Sometimes we forget as men, right, we forget that we're not fighting flesh and blood. We, we argue with our wives all the time. We argue with our kids, right? We argue, uh, 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 especially in the MCO, and I find myself that, you know, I've got a sh- shorter fuse and a shorter temper because I'm stuck at home all the time, and I don't know if it's the same for you. But sometimes I have to keep reminding myself that my fight is not with my wife or my family. My fight is with my temper. My fight is with my own flesh, That's who we're fighting, the principalities of the air, that at the end of the day, when the day of the Lord comes, there is a fight for your soul. Men, we are called to be fighters, not in flesh and blood, but the principalities of the air. Because as fighters, our position is number one, to be fighters, and number one, be, we are called by God to be the head of our family. We're called by God to be that head. Now when. I know when I speak to a lot of men and uh, out, out, out there uh, in the past, when I use the terms head of the family, I always get a sense of hesitation from men. Why? It's because we, we as men, we hear terminologies like we are called to be the head of the family. We like the title maybe, we like the place of elevation maybe, but then we hear responsibilities Then we hear accountability. Then we hear, oh my goodness, I failed in a thousand different ways as a father and as a man and as a husband. I failed in a thousand different ways. Do I really have to be the head? Then we hear judgment, discipline, rebuke by the Lord. And then we all say, you know what? I don't want to hear about me being the head of the family. But today, can I encourage you that being the head of the family, it is a position of privilege that God has placed you to be the shield. To be the breastplate to be the helmet that shield for your family that when we're called to be the head we're called to rely on jesus christ with all our strength with all our love with all our might with all our soul with all our mind with everything that we've got if you want to be the head of the family you are called to rely on our true father the true head of the church, of this world, of every single human beings. We are called to rely. When we, when our wife says, uh, when girls uh, uh, in, the, in the young adults ministry uh, ask me or ask my wife, what is the role of, of a father? What's the role of a husband? Should he lead me in Bible study, lead me in worship? The answer is, the short answer is yes, he should. But I, I would turn to the men and I says, don't boil down being head of the family to a list of do's and don'ts. I need to lead you in scripture. I need to lead you in worship. Don't worry so much about that, but show your family, show your wife that you cannot be a husband and a father unless you bend your knee to the real husband of of the church and to the real father of the church, which is Jesus Christ. That our total reliance, our total strength, our wisdom, our strength, Our grace, our mercy, our position, our personhood, our character, our lives rest on Jesus Christ. And that is perhaps, if you forget everything else, this is perhaps my most important point. And I want to make an appeal to everybody that we as fathers, we are called to bend our knee to Jesus Christ. We're called to be a fighter. Position number one. What is position number two? Position number two, I take from verse eight. It says here, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. Position two is this, we are called to be watchers on the wall. We are called to be watchers on the wall. See, I, I, I don't have time today. I really, I wish I did and I do, but I don't. That If you read this passage, when Paul writes, when he writes about peace and safety, he talks about he sees the shepherds in the night. He see the Roman soldiers in the night, standing watch over their sheep, standing watch over the city because the soldiers watches over the city at night and guards the city when the city sleeps. The shepherd watches over their sheep to guard their sheep at night over, over uh, 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 predators, right? So these are the imageries that come across Paul's mind. And when Paul sees a Roman soldier watching over the city, he says, put on your helmet of salvation, put on your breastplate of faith and love. We are called to be watchers of the wall, fathers. Now, I want to boil this down to a very, just, just one point, if I may, that it's not easy to be a watcher on the wall. We've got to be awake at night. We've got to always remember to put on our armor. We are first in line to be attacked by the enemy. Uh, uh, we are in that position and it's not easy to stay awake, to always pray and to always rely on Jesus. It is not easy. But here in this passage, it does say that at the end of the day, our Position as watchers of the wall is not based on our own strength once again. It is based on the faith, which is the trust in Jesus Christ, the love of Jesus Christ, and the hope in Jesus Christ. As long as we know our position with our fathers, we know that we can be good watchers on the wall. You see, Paul is brilliant. He ends 1 Thessalonians uh, the book of Thess- First Thessalonians with faith, love, and hope. And how does he start the book of Thessalonians? It's the same thing. We work in love. We l- we work in faith. We labor in love, and we endure in hope. Paul says to be a model Christian is to have faith, love, and hope. And now to be a model father. It's not to, to be the best father. It's not to always give your whole life and whole time and don't work to be 100% with your kids because we work is also love to the family, right? Uh, money is, a uh, uh, providence is also love to the family, one form of love to the family, right? So don't worry about having to be perfect all the time. We cannot use one swear at home, even, even though we're all stressed, otherwise we will fall under perfection. That's so stressful. But to be the watcher on the wall is to, Always remember that our position is to have trust, love, and hope in Jesus Christ. God, you are my great watcher on the wall. You never slumber, nor do you sleep. You who watches over Israel neither slumber nor sleep. You who watches over me will never slumber nor sleep. So I put my faith and my hope in you to watch over me and to watch over my family. That's kind of my prayer every night with my son. That's the second position. And the third position we're called to take is the builders of the wall. I take that from verse 11. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. You see, it's plain and clear. God called us to build the wall. And if, if, you know, when we don't look after our wall after some time, the wall will come into, you know, a disheveled state. The wall will always need some repairs here and there. And especially in our lives, when, when we don't spend enough time with, with one another, sometimes we forget that, hey, you know, we, we've missed out one or two weeks of what's happening in, 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 in our family's life. We're missing out on this. We're missing out on that. Our families and we change all the time, right? And we're called to build the wall, which means that today, If there's any tension with your family, we're called to build the wall. We're not called to maintain the tension. We're not called to aggravate the tension. We're called to ease the tension, to repair that wall, to build that wall. And that position starts from us fathers, the head of the family. When I look at my life, I go, I don't know how to build this wall or that wall in my family. I I sometimes don't even recognize that the enemy is invading my house and my family, spiritually speaking, from this angle or that angle. And that's where sometimes I just, at night, I'm so overwhelmed by all this. I go, Jesus, I need your help. I need you to build my life on the foundation that is Jesus Christ. And therefore, I need you to help me build my family. Will you help me, Jesus? And I promise you this, Jesus will always grant wisdom to those who ask genuinely, unwaveringly, with their trust fully in Jesus Christ. I guarantee you it. And there's so many times, and I wish I had so much time to tell this, tell many stories of my life, how Jesus suddenly gave me a word of knowledge about my children, maybe, about my relationship with my wife, maybe. And we are called to build one another up. So today, very shortly, before I conclude, don't tear each other down that we're called to build each other up, say something nice, say something encouraging. Just like the video we watched earlier on. That many times in our lives, we don't have that opportunity to ask such heart-wrenching questions, such deep soul questions to to our loved ones. But if we do, how would you feel? What What would you say to your father today to encourage him? What would you say to your child today to encourage him or her? If your father has passed on what did you wish you could have said to your father to encourage him or your mother to encourage her what what did you wish you would have said how you truly feel was it man i wish you could have washed the dishes faster and better right or would it be it's okay let me wash the dishes for you i i'm willing to bet my bottom dollar that we would all say let me be the one to wash the dish for you if we know that is the last day we have with our loved ones. So why don't we treat the day of the Lord that will come like a thief in the night? And Very surprisingly, we don't know when. Likewise, we may not know when is the last day we have with our loved ones, with our family, or with our friends. Why don't we treat every day as a day of love to fight for our family, to watch over our family, and to build our family up? Can we start? And if we fail, should we fail? Because we are only humans on this side of eternity. Should we fail? Can we all collectively bring our cares and our burdens to God? Because he cares for you. And say, Jesus, will you be my true father? Will you re-father me today? Because I can recognize my own faults and failures as a father. Will you, Jesus Christ, will you, God, my Father, re-father me today and show me the way everlasting? Lead me in paths everlasting. I'd like to end with one story. I can't tell so many, but I can tell one that I was was really led to share today. And um, some of you may be familiar with this analogy, but before I got married, just before I got married, I never told anyone this. So this is kind of my first time telling everybody, including my wife. Um, Before I got married, I asked God, "Um, I'm not sure if I'll be a good father, but I want to be. I'm not too sure how many times I'll fail as a father, but I want to try. And I need you to help me understand what it means to be the head of the family, because I don't. I need to learn from you, the head of the church, the head of the the church. Please teach me. And and God showed me this analogy. and I believe some of us are familiar with it. And he showed me a very old analogy that the head of the family is like being, like holding an umbrella. Like you, you, you're holding that umbrella over your family. And your wife, your, your children is under your protection, under that umbrella. When you are strong in the Lord, that umbrella represents your relationship with Jesus. When you're strong in Jesus, he's, He becomes your refuge. He becomes your strong tower. He becomes where you run to. He becomes your hiding place. He, he becomes the wind underneath your wings. He becomes your strength when you run and you fly and you soar like wings on eagles and you run like youths. He becomes that strength of yours. And it's like their umbrella. It's a good, strong, whole umbrella. W-H-O-L-E. A whole umbrella. So when the Element comes against you—the wind, the rain, maybe even a hailstorm, maybe even dust. When it comes against you, you hold that umbrella of faith, almost like a shield of faith, that breastplate, that helmet of faith. You hold it over yourself and over your family, and they're safe. They're kept safe because of you, the head of the family. But the moment our relationship with Jesus strain, our whole umbrella—w-h-o-l-e—turns into a hold umbrella. H-O-L-E-D. We, we suddenly realize that there is a hole here that needs to be patched up. We need to, th- there's a hole in this umbrella. When this, the elements come, there's a rain, there'll be a leak in the umbrella. There'll be the, the, the winds will come, the hailstorms will come, and then the stones will be able to the, the leak in and probably uh, hit me or hit my family. So I want to encourage you fathers with this analogy that Jesus never expects you to be perfect. He does expect you to love him with all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. He does expect you to fear God because then He becomes your umbrella your shield of faith, your breastplate. He becomes your helmet and He will be your refuge, your strong tower, that you can run to Him and you can hide under the arms of the Father that hugs you, that you can run up to Him and say, Father, Father, help me, and He will come to your rescue, that He will be your light, He will be your salvation, He will be your strength, He will be the wind beneath your wings. He will be there for you as long as you call out to him. So can I encourage all the fathers here today that, that don't crumble under the weight of being the head of the family, but instead crumble our knees to the ground and bend it to Jesus Christ and say, Jesus, will you be the head of my life? And will you be that umbrella over me and my family? I hope that analogy will stick with you, that we are called to fight for our family, to watch over our family, and to build our family. Will you take that step of faith? Everybody, take that step of faith to send an encouraging text to your father, a building text to your father today because it is Father's Day. But I also want to remember the mothers. Send an encouraging building text to the mothers today. But if somehow your parents are no longer with you, send a building and encouraging text to your siblings, to one another, to your connect, cell group, to your church, your members. We all need an encouraging word today. Can you do it? And I'm sure the church, the body of Christ, will be built up. So today, if you are watching this service with your fathers, can I encourage you? Can I encourage you fathers to perhaps stand? I would love to pray for you. I would love to pray with you. And if you are with your fathers physically, staying together with your fathers, could you raise your arms to your fathers? And we would love to pray together as a family unit. If your father is not with you, in your heart of hearts, while you're at home, raise your hands and spiritually, may the Holy Spirit touch your father right now. So fathers, can I invite you to pray together with me? And everybody else, raise your hands to your father. Is that okay? Let us pray. Repeat this prayer after me, fathers. Dear Jesus, I recognize that you are my Lord. I recognize that you are my true Father. I recognize that I need you in my life. I need you to be a Father. I need you to teach me how to be a good fighter for my family. I need you to teach me to be a good watchman on that wall for my family. I need you to teach me how to build my family up. I bend my knee to you today and come and give me that inspiration, that love from the Holy Spirit. And I thank you, Jesus, that I can love my family today. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name we pray, Amen. For those of us without fathers today, physically here on earth, for those single fathers in our church today, I can feel that it is a difficult uh, task for you. For those who are single mothers in our church today, for those children who feel like you never had a father figure in your life, can I also encourage you to say a short prayer with me, to say, Jesus, will you re-father me? Will you be my father today? Will you train me in your ways? your footsteps will you love me and fill my heart so much so that my identity and my security lies in you Jesus Christ will you say a three sentence prayer with me right now put your hands to your heart say this prayer with me dear father in heaven will you re-father me today I invite you in to fill my heart with your love your grace your strength your mercy, your hope, your peace, your patience, and Lord Jesus Christ, your agape love for me, fill me. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Hallelujah. Thank you so much church. If you need any prayer today, will you join us in our online prayer that is coming up on the screen because we would love the opportunity to pray for you. Other than that, will you raise your hands to sing this final song? God I look to. You. Thank you, Jesus. God, indeed, Father God, we look to you, Lord Jesus. We look to you for our hope. We look to you for our love. We look to you for our faith. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for our Father's days because we want to remember, Lord Jesus, that you are our true Father. We love you, we worship you, God. And today will you separate us, all of us now, with your love, with your faith, and with your hope. May your face shine upon us, Father God. May you look after our going in and our going out our lying down, and our sitting down. We thank you, Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you, Father God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, church. Thank you so much for joining us for Father's Day. We love all of you. And on behalf of SIBKL, may the Lord bless you and your family and your fathers today. God bless. See you.